You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I am your host, Adam Miller. And today we are talking with another musician as we've been working through a a series, talking with the different many voices behind the music that we play on our broadcast. And our guest today is Stuart Townend, who I'm sure you know, maybe not by name, but by his music, uh, his most popular song that we have sung in church, as well as as well as uh, many of our Songtime conferences in Christ alone. Uh, Stuart, thank you so much for being with uh, the Songtime broadcast. It's a pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, Stuart, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in uh, in writing modern hymns, so to speak, and the contemporary Christian music. Um, how did you get started in, in, in penning a lot of these songs that we're all familiar with? Sure. Well, um, it definitely wasn't a kind of a career move, <laughs> because... Um, I never really uh, had thought much about it. I've been a Christian uh, a long time, since my childhood, and um, was involved in music, but never really involved in church music or playing uh, and leading worship. Um, and so I actually was, uh, I came down to the south coast of England to study and got involved in the church. And there was a, a, a good friend of mine, or he became a good friend, called Dave Fellingham, who really encouraged me to get involved with his worship team. And there were lots of exciting things happening in terms of worship in the church there. And he just encouraged me, first of all, to play in his small worship team, and then encouraged me to start leading. So I was leading worship, I was leading congregations of several hundred, and uh, began to travel a little bit with him. And I was finding, as I was leading worship, there were times when I wanted us to sing something together, something sprang to mind to think, wouldn't it be great to sing a song or a hymn about this particular thing, this aspect of God's character, um, you know, this particular wonderful aspect of, of the Christian faith? Um, and, you know, we'd think, actually, I can't think of one right now. I can't think of one that would fit. And Dave uh, said to me one time when I was sharing that with him, he said, well, why don't you write it? Then? And I'd never really thought about that. So I started writing songs that I felt um, were going to work and help us as a congregation together um, to worship. And it just began that way, and the songs began to get some momentum, and I found myself leading worship at events uh, that got bigger and bigger, and the songs just began to get out. And over time, began to, to realize, actually, that this is something I felt that God was calling me to do, that it was something that I could kind of perhaps make a contribution to the overall um, repertoire, if you like, the big, you know, collection of, of music that's out there and actually make, a, hopefully, a, a unique contribution, something that would actually add something to the overall body of work that people were using in churches week by week. You know, you talk about it as though you just stumbled upon this, but uh, th- these songs that you've written are so deep and rich and, and powerful with the the majesty of God and the and the glory of Christ. Surely you didn't just stumble upon these great themes in your heart. What what has fed you into writing about these things in such a a, a deep and powerful way? Yeah, I, I suppose uh, there were a number of factors that led me in a particular uh, direction. I think partly the church I was involved in is very word centered. Uh, very much concentrating on the grace of God, what God has done for us. And so recognizing, I suppose, early on that worship, when we worship together as as the body of Christ, as a congregation, we're not just looking for songs that express what we are feeling or what we want to say to God. We're also using songs that declare who God is. And so there's an objectivity as well as a subjectivity. And so that involves not just 
looking for words that express my feelings right now when I'm worshipping in the presence of God, looking for also ways to express who he is, to express the great truths of the gospel. And I think you would see that in the Psalms. You would see that some of it is about how the psalmist is feeling. Other aspects of, of Psalms are all about who he is and what he has done for us and how majestic and glorious he is. And in that sense, you kind of, it's a, it's a kind of an echo, I suppose, of, of the great hymns of the faith down the centuries that have done that. They've not just been about our expression of how we feel about God. They've also been an expression of who he is. So that kind of helped to push me towards thinking perhaps in a more um, objective way of, of combining the subjective and the objective. And I just found that uh, particularly, when I, particularly when I was working with other people, uh, like for example In Christ Alone was co-written with a good friend of mine called Keith Getty, who writes just great melodies. And so I was more on the, I'm more on the lyrical side of things. And I did a, a you know, a literature degree. And so I was kind of really into words and, and poetic expression. And so that seemed a logical thing for me to pursue that and to take that um, ability I had and actually put it into the songs, which is why, in a sense, the songs, I, at least I seek to have a certain gravitas in terms of what I'm, I'm trying to say and a certain poetic, lyrical quality to them. You know, the Bible tells us to, to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and it seemed that uh, contemporary music had lost the, the, the first two parts of that component for a while, and uh, with the resurgence uh, of, of yourself and someone like Keith uh, Getty and uh, some others as well who, who kind of surged back to bring, bring hymnology back to our, our contemporary uh, form of worship. Um, do you see that there is a balancing, or do you still see that there's a struggle to keep that important, uh, important tension of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? I, I think there always will be a tension, and I think the danger is that the pendulum swings one way and then swings too far the other way. And I think, certainly, I'm really grateful to God for what has happened in many of our churches over the last 20, 30 years in terms of an explosion of new songs and a, a, a willingness, if you like, to express um, emotion, because I think emotion is part of worship. I don't think we should be afraid of emotion. I don't think we should be standing you know, stock still and making sure we're not moving at all and, and you know, no expression of joy or anything. I think it's wonderful what God has done in, in the churches over the last few decades, really. And so I, I think that is great. But I think the, probably that the pendulum did swing too far for us to be really focusing more and more upon our experience of him in the moment in a time of worship, which is a, you know, it's a good thing in one sense. But if we've got to be careful that we don't actually reduce God to the size of our own experience, if that actually all we're doing when we're singing a song is describing our experience of God, we are in that sense limiting God, making him smaller, because actually he's much bigger than we are. He's much bigger than we could ever experience. And so we need to have that objective view outside of ourselves. So I'm very careful when I lead worship. I may use a song that actually is a, you know, a song that expresses our love for him or a song that is a kind of a here I am in your presence, Lord. But I'm also going to be using songs that say he is the great redeemer. He is, you know, immortal, invisible, God only wise. You know, it has that objectivity as well. I think when the two things come together, then I think it's a very powerful combination. And I think that really is what worship is about. 
You know, when I was growing up, um, we we sang a lot of the, we did a lot of like hymn and chorus sings, and uh, it, on like a Sunday evening, it'd be like a once a month thing. And I remember very distinctly um, uh, an older lady after singing several choruses that were very happy and joyful, and 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 as you mentioned, uh, very emotive. Uh, she stood up and uh, instead of you know calling out a number from the hymn book or a song that she wanted to sing, she just said the simple phrase. She said, I like the hymns because they talk about Jesus. <laughs> and then she sat down. Uh, I think what's so mar- remarkable about your your songs and your lyrics um, are, are that they really do transcend uh, the, the the that divide. They're not geared towards one demographic in the church or the other. Uh, they're rich, they're powerful, but they're deep. They have that substance that I think the older people are looking for, but they also have that feel in, in, in lyrically as well as uh, musically, with which you mentioned with like writing with Keith Getty, that kind of embed them into a culture that can take them up as their own, correct? Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope that we are. There, there certainly is an element, I feel, that we are trying to redress a slight imbalance. So, you know, uh, the, most of the songs and hymns we're writing do tend to end up as three or four verses because, you know, uh, we're trying to kind of bring some gravitas and some content in to balance with um, perhaps some of the more modern songs that are, are shorter, are, are, are thinner in terms of content, but allow for more emotional uh, response and expression. And I think the two coming together... Um, are really important. And so, you know, it is kind of redressing an imbalance. But I, I'm hoping that actually th- that what we're writing is not a barrier to anyone. I, I, it's such a shame that in many churches there seems to be a conflict between content and emotion, between the objective and the subjective. Because we really, really, all of us as individuals and as congregations need both. And, you know, many times I'll find myself going to quite a traditional setting. And in those settings, I'm looking to loosen people up, to allow themselves to express themselves emotionally, to not be afraid of that, that actually our emotions is part of who we are, and we need to express them to God. And we need to not be afraid of sensing and and knowing him. But similarly, if I'm in a place where they're swinging from the rafters and it's all wild stuff, I'll probably bring content in to say, actually, no, you need to not just focus on the vibe, but actually need to focus on who he is and bringing those two things together. I don't think this is a new thing. I mean, I think, you know, when we actually look at, we sometimes think of hymns as being rather unemotional and not very modern in that sense. But actually, if you look at something like, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood, and it describes the process of, you know, it's a, a, as a, a, a hymn that expresses uh, the wonder of salvation. Actually, there's a huge amount of emotion in many of the hymns. We've just kind of switched that bit off, um, I think, when we sing some of these hymns, because there's a huge amount of emotional expression of joy, of, you know, wonder at who he is, but it's quite often wrapped in poetic language that also expresses uh, the, you know, the, the objectivity of who he is. So it's not just focusing on us. I want to ask you a more personal question now as to, you know, where do you turn when you need to be enriched and, and encouraged, uh, when you need to be uplifted through through song and through music, through through scripture? Uh, where do you go to find that, that filling that really is the result of a lot of these, or the, the, the um, predecessor of a lot of these songs because it's out of the abundance of your heart that these songs are written? So where do you turn? I, I feel very fortunate in the sense of my upbringing. From um, my, my father was a pastor, 
uh, I was brought up knowing the scriptures really well. So I, I found this, certainly in terms of the songwriting, as well as in my own personal life, uh, there being a lot that I could draw on that was already built into me from an early age, which is a you know, wonderful you know, thing and a wonderful resource, I find, in many ways. I think when I'm needing that kind of fresh um, you know, sense of touch of God and that sense of um, you know, reminder of who he, he is, um, obviously, I'll turn to, to scriptures that I'll read. Sometimes there are wonderful books that may say things or scriptures you're familiar with, but actually either say it in a new way or just remind you in your heart of what it means to know him. I, the other thing I found helpful, uh, to be honest personally, is in life being so busy, as many of our lives are, actually the ability to stop, to be quiet, to actually, um, in a sense, be in the moment of here I am with God, not thinking about what's gone before, not thinking about what I've got next to do, but actually in this very moment to saying, here I am uh, with you, God. And, you know, sometimes out in the beauty of the countryside or whatever, I'm just looking and just appreciating the wonder of who God is in that very moment. Sometimes, you know, you need that. And I, I think Jesus implies some of that, uh, you know, when he's talking about don't worry about tomorrow, don't worry about what's going to happen next you know, um, because your father will look after your needs and just be right here enjoying who he is right now. We've been talking with Stuart Townend, the author of many of the Psalms that have impacted the church, bridging a gap of bringing hymnology back into our worship time together with deep songs such as In Christ Alone, How Deep the Father's Love, The Power of the Cross, and Beautiful Savior. Stuart, thank you so much for being a part of our program. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter. It's got encouraging articles, and there is no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. Make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace, from Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless. God bless.